Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Thursday edition is here, and that means a ton of football discussion. SEC, NFL, and all the periphery. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew's all here as well. Big show plan. Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com. SEC headlines in 20 minutes as we get set for every practice to begin. LSU started theirs today, for instance. There are plenty of storylines from the Southeastern Conference. Amy Dash, uh, the Odyssey uh, legal analyst and uh, the founder of League of Justice. She will be with us in an hour as we will go through... Uh, the top bullet points to follow, as now we know the NFL will appeal the suspension of Deshaun Watson. What happens next? What's the likelihood of a of a lawsuit, of an injunction? What would that take from an outside court to allow him to play? We'll get through uh, all of those details with Amy. That's coming up at, at the, the, the next hour. Um, Armando Salguero is on the show. There's preseason football, and he wrote a love letter to it. Uh, at OutKick. We will ask him about that. Scott Dixon from IndyCar, six-time champ in studio with us in the final hour. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Looking forward to our show today. Really looking forward to talking with with Amy Dash, not just about Deshaun Watson, but now you've got members of the Live Tour suing the PGA over antitrust violations with them banning them from the, the tour. So we'll ask about the validity of that lawsuit and, and what could happen with all of that. So Perfect day to have her on. Perfect, always perfect to have Armando and Trey on talking football. And uh, it is crazy. I'm, as you guys know, I, I have the Today Show on at times in the morning as I'm eating breakfast and getting ready. It comes on at yep. 7 a.m. I'm up and ready to go. It starts. And one of the top stories was the NBC football music and football is back tonight with a preseason game. And i got to be honest. Did not really know that until it happened because I've not been anticipating the preseason as much as Armando Soguero has been anticipating preseason games. I'm driven crazy by the football's back. Football is back on the Thursday before September 11th. This is uh, sub football, if you will. Well, sub NFL football. Yeah. yeah. I got a, um, a text by a previous guest of our show that has me feeling a little down. One Faith Kuharski, uh, mom who uh, didn't, didn't even, she wasn't even uh, critiquing the show. She was critiquing pictures she saw, like uh, thumbnails of a show, where I was wearing evidently a dark polo. And this could have been, I think, from a while ago, because I've lost weight, where she said my neck looked very fat and I should be more conscious of what I'm wearing. And then she read some comments, evidently, on uh, a show 
where somebody was accusing you of something, Chad, and she was, uh, you know, of course, taking these comments at, at face value. <laughs> I told her, do not read the comments. These people have no idea what they're talking about. Don't Whatever me. was said was probably true. Yeah, don't, read, don't read the comments. <laughs> Whatever I was accused of is probably true, I said, to be please, fair. Please, to be fair to Faith. Please, She's a great judge of character. Please look at pictures from yesterday's show or from the site. <laughs> In my site where there's a picture of me yesterday, I'm looking good, but I'm going to sit very tall today and elongate my neck. I wore a light shirt. Wow. Here's what I want you to do. You do you. Don't, don't even let the comments of your mother try to get you to stand up taller or change the position of your chair. Or I mean, I've been stick working your, hard. Stick your neck out well more to try to fool the camera. But no one cares how we look. I, I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret. The secret to this show's success has nothing to do with how we look. And all three of us look terrific, but that's beside <laughs> the point. It has nothing to do with how we look. It's about the content of this show every single day and that we're going to bring it every single day. That's why people listen. That's why people watch. All due respect to Faith Kuharski, who's not a viewer or listener of this show, who's simply looking at thumbnails. Her opinion does not matter. And nor should it affect you, Paul. And also, Can't help it is very odd to me mom. because most moms, and my mom, Always would take the opposite take. Yeah. You're like terrific. Like I, when, even She's when, very honest. When I was legitimately fat, my mom would claim I was skinny. Like, that there's no... Would never yeah. tell me <laughs> that. that there's times the where it's like, family. hey, your hair doesn't look good. I don't like it like that or something along those lines. But typically, mothers are always much quicker to, you know, their baby can't do wrong. And always looks great. So I'm shocked that she came she at you with that. got nobody to talk to anymore with my dad kind of uh, in a bottle. You know, you remember the running back Harvey Williams? He yes. Pl he played for the 95 Raiders. Did he go to Oklahoma maybe? That sounds maybe right. Maybe at Texas school. He had a very long neck. So I'm trying to look like, Davis like Mills. Harvey Williams. Yeah. I, I need talk, to look at pictures of Davis Mills. We can talk about Davis I Mills. I need to look at pictures of Davis Mills to motivate my posture. Oh, Davis Mills has a famously long neck. Yeah. But is um, it muscular at all? Because mine's not muscular. I just want it to be long. I want picture a string coming out of the top of your head like the posture people tell you. Uh, he went to LSU. He's from Texas. Harvey Williams, by the way. So oh, okay. Just look that up. Davis Mills went to Stanford, and he has a long neck. I, I, I do know that. Paul, you look great. Thank you. I, I would not take any of those notes. Um, this is, uh, you know. The, the, She's very far like, removed it, from We're the like showrunners that have created something, and we're going to get notes from different people. I would be very selective on which notes you receive. I would discard those notes. Well, I told With her all to due respect to Faith Kowarski, who is a lovely woman. Yes, and she was a great guest when we had her in. Yes. But uh, she's past those years where she would be a, an acceptable guest, I think. The critiques will... Uh, they're, There's they're, my reverse They're critique. even and thorough from her. So, yeah. you know, uh, we, we've all three uh, received yeah, good I mean, and I've, bad. I've passed That's the true. point of... <laughs> That's true. I've come in with them. I've completely... I'm past the point of trying to... <laughs> Full any cameras. I, I am what I am. You're going to get what you're going to get every day. There's nothing else going on. Actually, I'm, I'm not checking myself before the show comes on. I'm yeah. doing nothing to prepare other than putting on a somewhat decent shirt most we, days. So uh, we actually I can't get any better than this. In our contract, we have Jacob. Uh, he, he has to put an Instagram filter on the feed you're seeing right now to make it look better yeah. for us. We're so self-conscious Thanks for that. blowing that secret. I know. Hit us up on Twitter at OutK360. Jacob does a great job with his editing. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Um... By the way, the, the Hall of Fame game tonight, we'll, we'll touch on this later with the storylines. There are some decent storylines, at least early on. 
Trayvon Walker is one to watch tonight. First overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars against number two offensive linemen. Will they like, talk about him? Like they, they have to. Yeah. Um, Got no choice. But I, I mean, I, I admit I'm intrigued to see that because we didn't see much of him in college. No. So we're finally seeing him in pads other than, you know, other than what is, what's been a full padded practice at, in Jacksonville. We're finally seeing him in pads for the first time since he's been uh, talked about as the best overall athlete out of the, the draft, which they gave him that honor. Um, he's on the field tonight. Plus, um, I, look, I don't bet on these games, preseason games. Many of you do, uh, especially the first one. If you were looking away to lean, I would lean towards Oakland, or excuse me, Vegas, with the Raiders because of the quarterback play. Jarrett Stidham played for three years within this offense that he's now in in, in in Vegas. So just on that alone, and the fact that Trevor Lawrence isn't playing at all, I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, the Raiders, but who knows here with any of this. Well, another thing to watch tonight is it is the debut of a new broadcast team for NBC. No more Al Michaels. It's Mike Tirico. Melissa Stark comes in on the sideline also. So Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark, as sideline reporter, makes their – debut tonight in a early preseason game. Yeah, and they but they're they're making their their start. Tariko's done playoff games and things in the past, well, he's, but he's filled in for Al Michaels before yeah, a couple of times. This is the first one with those three now adding Melissa Stark as well. They'll be excellent. I have no yeah, worries about that booth. Of all the changes that have gone around all of football, NBC to me is in perfectly fine shape. Yes, um, we will uh, hit more NFL uh, discussion in, in coming up. Plus, we've got SEC headlines. Brittany Griner uh, today we came across this morning, nine-year sentence in Russia. Um, the, the discussion is with this that they put nine years on it as another, bar, uh, another negotiating tactic of sorts. But still, um, for, for what she was uh, detained for at the airport to what this ended up being is i mean awful isn't the, the right word it's it's more than that but it's terrible yeah it's preposterous i i, I got a friend or two who said you know hey she broke the law over there well uh, first off the law over there is ridiculous secondly it, it doesn't matter when a u.s citizen is being detained somewhere for you know their law which is ridiculous as it compares to common sense law you gotta go get that person back whether there's a profile to it or not um you know if if she was a no name it probably wouldn't be getting attention so it's good uh i don't know if she would have been detained though if she was a no name either you gotta put an end to this the other guy that they're the the other guy that they're trying to get back i mean i haven't kept up with that i mean his name was familiar but i mean again like i he's a former He's a, a you're never a former Marine. He's a Marine, right? A retired Marine, I guess, that was charged with espionage while in Russia. Uh, honestly, no clue if he's actually a spy or not for the United States. Who knows? Could have been an American over there. They got tied up into something or they falsely accused uh, and he's in prison. The weird thing about the proposed trade is it's an arms dealer that Russia's wanting back. It's a two for one trade. Yeah, America would give Brittany Griner and this. So I look at it and think it may not be the worst trade if this guy was actually an American spy that they're sending back. If he's some dude that was in Moscow on vacation that used to be in the Marines that they suspected of being a spy and he's just a civilian, while that's terrible and even worse that he's over there in this situation, 
That's not an even trade to send back the biggest arms dealer in the world to Russia. So it's, it's a tricky situation. I don't know, guys, how they have pro-women's league still in Russia, and that's uh, yeah. where Brittany Griner was going, yeah. and they can make a lot of money over there. I don't know how you go to Russia right now if you are an American and play in one of those leagues unless you, you're going to make 10 times what you make no, in the States. I don't States think anybody's do going it. anymore. But unless you had the perfect setup where you were insulated by your team and protected by them and the ownership and you just kept your head down and didn't do much but play the game and then go back to your apartment, I would not want to be in that country right no. now because you could and get it taken seems for anything. she didn't get out quickly enough. Maybe, maybe there was no getting out quickly enough. And then when you're getting out in that circumstance, you have to be, you know, totally careful and safe. She didn't do it without failures of judgment, but that doesn't mean she should be in prison for any period of time or facing what she's facing now. No, there's nothing that she's done that would warrant nine years in a Russian prison. Or however many months she's been detained. Right. Yeah, but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult situation uh, all around because everyone should look at that and say, she should be back in the United States. That's what's right for what she was caught with on a plane. And the, the punishment does not equal the crime at all in this situation. But there's also zero goodwill right now between the two countries. So there's not going to be an amicable, some sort of agreement that's going to be balanced on both sides with this, with the outcome. And that's the, that's the scary part. And she pled guilty. She pleaded guilty um, back in uh, July. Early July, just after July 4th, in fact, is when we came in and discussed About it. a month ago. And she a did that to speed today. this process up. So now you've got um, the, the verdict and, and penalty handed down. So hopefully this speeds up a bit. She's been over there for 24 weeks, detained for 24 weeks, I should say. So, um, you know, that, that's our hope is that it's the nine years tacked on is the bargaining chip here and not the, the final judgment. Well, we're going by... Uh, uh, who knows? Someone on YouTube I mean, commented on the show, but William says the arms dealer, by the way, is set to be let free in 2028 as an FYI. So getting a six year head start on that. Well, that's important. You know, it's not a lifetime sentence for yeah. this arms dealer. So when factoring if the trade should be made or not, we should note that. That if makes that it in sound fact a little case. bit more fair. Yes, absolutely. We discuss SEC headlines coming up. Practices opening across the conference. Trey Wallace has been following those headlines for you. And we'll ask and discuss the big topics next on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitaLifeScience.com is the website for the best supplements for you. Aurora NutriScience helps you stay mentally sharp and healthy by delivering supplements where you need them the most, your body. You take these supplements and they stay there. You're not wasting them like a typical capsule or, or pill. And OutKick360 season ticket holders listening right now, you receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360 at VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use their vitamin C, their vitamin D3, and glutathione. Simple single-use package you can grab and go with in the mornings. They also uh, help you if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol, so many other benefits at VitaLifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at Vita, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com.
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Armando Salguero joins us in an hour. We will discuss NFL training camps, practice underway across the SEC as well. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Nashville, Tennessee with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, joined by Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. Covers the SEC for our site. And Trey, there is a, a lot to get to today as we can now see the the sunrise for the season uh, on the horizon. How you doing, man? Man, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm excited that that things are going on. That we've got some college football. That we are three weeks away from Vanderbilt traveling to Hawaii, which is a game that I have put in for to travel and cover. We'll see if that <laughs> actually works or not. Um, but no. It, Look, it's exciting times. You've got teams starting up today. You've got press conferences going on. Uh, you've got arrests being made in Auburn. Just a lot of stuff in college football happening. So what? let's start with the arrest. What happened with T.J. Finley? And um, and did you see the Harson awkward promo that he was, he was filming for uh, the Jumbotron? Yeah, I saw the promo. Uh, that was kind of cringeworthy. It was kind of <laughs> like Butch Jones cringeworthy. Um, and, uh, for those know, that it, for those that don't know, he's in front of a green screen and he's doing the same take in different poses with a football, uh, pointing at well, he's Auburn. He's saying fans. like Auburn family or Auburn Nation, let's ride. Let's and ride. And he's doing different takes, so it's yeah. Auburn Nation, let's ride. <laughs> Auburn Nation, let's ride. So over and it's over, like that, when you're yeah. seeing it, who puts those things out there? Like, I see that. I'm like, someone in the Auburn department is trying to make him look like a fool when they post that publicly. I'm That's like, not surprising. They, you could do that to anyone. We could be shooting a promo here and look like an idiot if someone's filming it from the side and we're doing eight different takes of it. Very, very odd to me in a number of ways. The problem is you've got somebody that's probably some intern or whatnot sitting there filming it while they're doing it, and then he's tweeting it or putting it out somewhere, and then everybody's picking it up. Like, it's not going to be hard to figure out, you know, who the person was that, that put out the video. It, it reminded me of that 
Uh, y'all remember that crazy must champ thing that happened where he was doing a promo, but then they did like an outtake and he told everybody they can go F themselves. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I love that. Yeah. It was for South Carolina season tickets. Yeah, it was beautiful. See, we, we love these kind of outtakes. Give us some stuff behind the scenes. Maybe it won't be cringeworthy, but if we get something like Muschamp, I'll take it. Let's, so, you know. Let's stay at Auburn with uh, T.J. Finley because he he um, he made history as the first college football player to ink an NIL deal with Amazon. Uh, he's selling shirts and sweatshirts and phone cases and other things with Amazon. But um, he's he's been arrested for not wearing a helmet on a scooter. Is that right? Well, he got booked for eluding police. Um, it stems, I was talking with a few people from down in Auburn uh, before I came on. And so it, from what I am told that him and his, they figured out that he had a arrest warrant out for him. Uh, and it stemmed from that citation where he was riding a, a moped without a helmet. Okay. Now, you know, was he trying to elude the police before and he's like well wait a minute i'm on a moped this probably is not going to get me far since i'm six foot seven and 317 pounds uh or was it something where you know he, he they they either added a charge or something to it but he found out that there was a warrant so him and his attorney whoever's assigned to him uh went down to the police station and he got booked uh on that charge now he is back at i am told he is he's in the auburn facility um, but just not, I mean, not a good sign. I mean, you go down there and you're thinking you're doing something and all of a sudden you're getting booked, uh, into the detention center, mug shots being put out. You're having to bond out. Um, Brian Harson is going to be speaking to the media here in about 45 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, maybe something will come out of that, but, but honestly, I, I think it's, it's going to be much to do about nothing, but yeah. it could hurt him, but it could hurt him, Jonathan. With his NIL deal that he just signed with Amazon. Like, you don't want that type of look. I mean, I just wrote the article yesterday, and all of a sudden he's getting arrested. So, you know, not a good start uh, to Auburn's fall camp, which it, started today. Is it pathetic or brilliant that South Carolina is selling football season tickets at Costco in the greater Columbia, South Carolina area? Is it $89 for a season ticket in the upper deck also? Okay. So here's what it is. Uh, first off, I think it's brilliant marketing to do this in a Costco. I think it, I think it's smart because you're just walking down the aisle. It's like, honey, you know, let's get some frosted mini wheats. Let's get some Cheerios. By the way, let's get some tickets to South Carolina football. Look at them; they're right there. Um, so I think that's smart. It is. So what? It, what it is is, uh, it's two tickets. And you have to pick a game that you want to go to. So it's not season tickets. So what it is is you can pick from two out-of-conference games, which are horrible. It's like uh, South Carolina State, I think Georgia State, which that might be an interesting game to go to. Tennessee fans have a horrible memory of that. Um, but then you could also pick from Missouri, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. So it's actually a really good deal. And it's actually pretty smart. Like you can buy for, – for 89 bucks. You get a parking pass, two vouchers for all-you-can-eat concessions, and you get to pick from going to watch South Carolina play Texas A&M, Tennessee, or if you want to, go watch them play Missouri. Like, this is a very smart idea, and this is not the first team that did it. You know, Louisville did this. Uh, they announced this last month. You know, they were they were selling packages and stuff like that at Costco as well. But for South Carolina to get into it, 
I think I think it's very interesting because it's a Southeastern Conference, but there is a growing trend, Chad, uh, along and in, in, in college football, SEC, Big Ten, everywhere, where you're starting to see a lot of these tickets that they're having to get rid of because they can't sell them all. I mean, there was countless times I went to Tuscaloosa last year or Knoxville or Athens or whatnot, and, you know, like the visitor allotment section is kind of empty because they can't sell those tickets that schools give back or they can't sell like the upper, upper deck tickets, you know, and they have a couple thousand that are left over. So I think it's smart. I think where South Carolina maybe doesn't take as much of a hit as maybe they thought they would when it comes to tickets. Hey, let's put them in a major retail store and uh, catch people off guard. Well, let's take, let's stick with the ticket sales theme. Uh, Is it, did I read this correctly that, Tennessee had the biggest uptick in season ticket sales in its history with over 17,000 new season ticket holders this year. Is that correct? So I, I think, I think it was, I think it was history percentage wise. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, so you look at it and so at first they had, they had put out a bunch of season tickets for sale and they put them at a price that just, the value wasn't there for people to buy them. Um, and I've talked to a couple of season ticket holders who are in this spot. They ended up lowering the price a little bit and you had more people start jumping in once they started seeing that. Um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm not here to knock Danny White and Tennessee for what they were doing. I just think they overpriced it first. And then they're like, okay, wait a minute. People are coming in at this, but we still need to sell these tickets and make some kind of profit so let's lower it a little bit, which is exactly what they did. And you come out and, you know, you're upwards around 58,000 season tickets sold, which is big for a program like Tennessee. And, and I'll, I'll say this about Tennessee. No matter what the season is, who the coach is, you know, it's always optimism going into it. So they're going to buy this stuff if it's presented to them. And, um, you know, especially when you're adding a new upper deck club area where you can just hang out you know and stand if you want to and you got new west club seats so uh good on tennessee for for selling tickets and it just shows you man give tennessee fans a little bit of optimism they're gonna buy right in which is good after alabama bottomed out last year with the sec championship and a national um runner up how do you think this massive rebuild is going i think that teams would kill Fans would kill to have what Nick Saban called a rebuild year. Um, and, and, and I look at Alabama, and I don't, I don't really think last year was a rebuild. Now, look, I'm not Nick Saban, and I'm not getting paid $10 million a year to coach Alabama. But you look at what they had on that roster when it comes to wide receiver, when it comes to quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, like it just didn't feel like a rebuild. Now, you go into this season, there are spots you got to fix. You you got to find you know who is going to be your your main targets at wide receiver. Um, I, I think they're set at running back with Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. I think he's going to be a stud uh, for Alabama. I think they're going to have a pass rushing presence with Will Anderson, who is the scariest defender in my opinion in college football, coming off the edge. Um, so you know Henry Toa Toa is going to be back at linebacker. You know hopefully he can cover a slant. But you look at it overall, and, and I think Alabama is in a spot where they'll be able to contend this year. It's not going to be any type of rebuild. 
Um, and, and you look at it going forward, I, I think, you know, in retrospect, you know, Nick Saban was like, okay, well, maybe there was a few spots we could have been better at. Maybe that's what he calls a rebuild. But they played for a national championship. They won an SEC championship, and they only lost, you know, two games the entire season. So and a differential of opinion, I think, when it comes to, to what Nick Saban's doing, which Kirby Smart, by the way, and I'm writing about this for tomorrow morning, kind of took a shot at today because he was like somebody asked him about you know, do you know what a rebuilding year is? And he goes, well, I, I don't know anything about what a rebuild year. How would I know what a rebuild year is? You know, we're not here to rebuild the team. We're here to continue pushing forward. So kind of interesting from Kirby today, and you, you kind of knew that was coming. I found it interesting, uh, Saban, um, saying that, but also I found it, um, you know, last year, Trey, they were not sharp, Alabama. They were not the sharp team that was really good on penalties, uh, keeping those low, um, that held onto the football, that uh, would, you know, would uh, make a good special teams play or miss it. Like we, we would see just odds and ends throughout every game. And yeah, they lost to Texas A&M and they played for a national title. But Nick Saban's looking at Florida, Auburn, and LSU. All three games they could have lost easily. They hung on and won. They're Alabama. But it's not like they routed their way the way Georgia did to the SEC championship game. This was not your typical Alabama team, even though it was a typical Alabama finish in the SEC. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you on that point. I, I, I do. But I think when you look at Alabama and you look at the blue chip players that they have returning every single year and what they can put in, like maybe it doesn't click, you know, in the first month or so. But you expect that to, to start flowing in that right direction by October, and then you're full go by yep. November. There were there were times last year where you're like, wait a minute, what is this football team? Like when they played in, in College Station and Zach Calzado you know, led Texas A&M on the drive, you look at the Alabama defense, you're like, wait, what is this? Um, or even the Auburn game, where it took them to go 99 yards in a span of a minute and a half you know, to win that football game. Um, there were times last year where we saw weaknesses in Alabama. Um, you can, you know, Saban calls it a rebuild. I call it maybe they got exposed a little bit at some of the positions. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I think going forward, they're going to be fine. But, yes, no doubt. I, no doubt. I agree with you that Alabama didn't look like Alabama last year at certain points of the season. Trey, are you buying the Will Levis hype at Kentucky? And by hype, I mean that he's going to have an incredible statistical season. Kentucky's going to finish second in the East and, and maybe not challenge Georgia, but finish right behind them in the division. And he's going to be a top five or ten pick in the NFL draft. To me, that's where the hype is right now surrounding Will Levis. Are you buying all of those things? I don't buy the... I don't buy the top 10 pick right now in the NFL draft. I, I, I just, there, he, he reminds me, and this is, I mean, I wrote about it today and I'll, I'll say it. I mean, he reminds me of Tim Tebow uh, in a sense of how he plays the quarterback position, how physical he is. Um, when it comes to yardage, when it comes to passing yards, you got to think about this too. Man. You go, you got to replace Wondell Robinson, you know, off that team from last year. What is the status right now of Chris Rodriguez, the running back, who is going to complement Will Levis? I think Will Levis is a pretty damn good quarterback. I do. Hey, Trey, quickly, I I, they, they play Florida in week two, I believe. Yes. I'll be yes. shocked if Chris Rodriguez isn't suspended 
for just that first week. I feel like they're going to find oh. a way to get him back for Florida in week two, and he's going to miss the first game of the season. Um, if, yes, he won't play the yeah. If they wanted, to, play, if the they wanted to play heavy-handed, he's going to miss the Florida game also. Well, here's the awesome thing, too. If they wanted to play heavy-handed, they would already announce the suspension or they'd already talked about, okay, he's not a part of what's Good going point. on, too. I agree, I agree with you completely um, that, that by the Florida game, when Kentucky gets on a plane and heads to Gainesville, they're going to have their starting running back with them. Um, I, I just see him running a lot of stadiums uh, over the last couple months and, and getting back to it is what it is. But you look at, you know, going back to like Will Levis, too, can he be the guy that, that leads them to, to some big victories? And I think that we're going to find out week two. And, and it's easy for me to say that. You know, Florida's going to be coming off a game against Utah, which to me is a toss-up game, if, if we're being honest with each other. Uh, and, and you look at what Kentucky can do when it comes to their offensive line, their defensive line, how they complement Will Levis. I think there's enough there for them to be good this season. Do I think Kentucky is going to – come out and, and it's going to look like last year with 10 wins and whatnot. I'm having a hard time believing that at the moment, but I think that they have a quarterback that if he can keep himself healthy, that's the other thing too, Chad, this guy will just run over a defender. He doesn't care about sliding. You talked about it yesterday. Well, maybe I'll start to slide, but this is a guy that puts himself out there a lot uh, to potentially get hurt. So you got to make sure he gets through the whole season, but I like Will Levis. I like what he can do for Kentucky. It gives them different options. Do I think he's a top 10 draft pick? Not right now, but I'm not some NFL scout. I'm not an expert. I just watch him every Saturday. Joe Milton sounded pretty smart when he said, I'm a twisted ankle away from, from being the starter, flipping his own situation from last year inside out. That sounds even better when it's paired with one report we heard that he was actually connecting on some deep downfield passes and not overshooting and missing the way he did when he was the starter. What what have you seen and heard about him? Yeah, talking with some some coaches and some some people around Tennessee, Joe Milton looks good. I mean, but you know, it, it, that's the same thing we heard last year. You know, but 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 I think here's the difference between last year's Joe Milton and this year's Joe Milton. Is last year Josh Hype on his staff. They threw everything they could at Milton and said, okay, you're going to be our guy. Let's prepare like you're our guy. I think this year it gives Joe Milton an opportunity to learn, to be better. Uh, I think he does get in spot duty. Like I think you're going to see him play against Ball State on that Thursday night, probably in what, late third quarter, probably the whole fourth quarter. Um, and, it, and it does. He, he, that, that is such a smart way to put it. I'm an ankle sprain away from being your starter. You darn right you are. And I think that the relationship that he's built up with him and Hooker, um, I think that's very key as well. Them going through practice, them working to get better with each other. Like, it would not it, – it's not going to be surprising this year if Tennessee has to rely on Joe Milton at some point in some difficult situation. We see how Hendon Hooker plays. You know, does he does he get hit, scrambling out of the pocket, has to come out for a couple of plays, or or does he twist an ankle, or does something happen that throws Milton in there? And the fact that he is, you know, I know we're only a couple of days into fall camp, but he had a good summer throwing with the receivers, I was told, um, and he's starting off fall camp the right direction. And, and you know what? 
for a guy that that went through what he did last year and, and you know off the field stuff and I'm talking about you know people talking about how he connect, can't connect on a deep ball or that his football in space you know it's just floating around the atmosphere I think he's handled it the right way and he came off the right way so it only benefits him and uh and the Tennessee roster that he continues to push forward to be better Trey, could Brian Kelly already have more talent at LSU than he had the previous five years at Notre Dame? And if so, how difficult is LSU to predict as they begin practice? I mean, Jonathan, it's tough. It's tough to predict what LSU is going to do because you think about LSU and you think about, okay, they had the talent. Like, to me, they had the talent last year. They had the talent, you know, and they won the national championship as well. But it doesn't it, – it, to me, when you look – when I looked at the roster, when I looked at the production that is coming back, and then you look at the quarterback position and how they're going to roll there, I think Brian Kelly walked into a pretty darn good situation down in Baton Rouge, especially along that defensive line. Uh, I think they're going to be really good at running back. Um, I think this is a roster this year that will be able to surprise folks. The problem is we all saw the situations that the Tigers put themselves in last year where there was so much uncertainty. And with Ed Orgeron as the coach, and they didn't play as well. And, and there were times where it looked like, you know what, this team had kind of like given up on Ed O. But going forward with Brian Kelly, if he can get – and it's not just Brian Kelly, it's his staff too. If they can get the most out of these players and the guys that he has on the rosters and the guys that he was able to bring in um, from this recruiting class, maybe you get a little bit extra out of a freshman or two. This is a team that could probably win seven games, maybe eight. With a bowl game, I mean, you just you just never know. I mean, it, they could come out and be flat, and they need you know another year to get going down there. But I think with what they have going on at quarterback right now, and especially a running back, maybe they can get something done on offense that a lot of people aren't expecting. And uh, I don't think I, you would ever think this. Maybe LSU can catch people off guard. I don't know when the last time I've said something like yeah. that is. Uh, I, I think you're right. I mean, they they have four quarterback options right now, legitimate options that Brian Kelly was discussing they're on their fourth defensive coordinator in as many years now so I mean they, they've they've got the they have the the hub the the talent the nucleus they've got to find the QB though to get it going Trey Wallace our QB for SEC coverage at outkick.com our SEC columnist and he joins us on Thursdays Trey have a uh, great uh, rest of the day and uh, enjoy football man we'll catch up soon yeah, look forward to it, guys. Enjoy the Grand Prix uh, in Nashville this weekend. And uh, love the coverage y'all are doing. So have a great weekend. Thanks, Thanks Ray. Appreciate it. Scott Dixon, uh, Indy Driver, will be in studio with us in about an hour and a half or so. Coming up, rookie quarterback Malik Willis with the Titans. How has he progressed since he's been drafted by the club? And how's training camp number one going for the rookie QB? We'll tell you next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Uh, yesterday, we previewed Pittsburgh, and then Kenny Pickett went out and had a great practice, and now everyone's raving about him. Um, Malik Willis here in Nashville. There have been signs of the arm talent and athleticism for sure, but consistency is not a word I would use. Um, he has struggled. Uh, that's putting it in a, a polite way based on the four now practices of icing. Paul, you've been out there each day. Um, and it, it, we're, it, we're very early on in the process here. But there's a reason why he was not a first-round pick in this past NFL draft, and it's apparent. Yeah, there are some people that want to make a, a complete judgment on him now, which is crazy. You right. don't make a complete judgment on, on a Peyton Manning at this stage. Better yet, a Malik Willis. Um, you know, so when I offer negative critique, I, 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 I try to tag on every time. But this is what you would expect from a guy like Malik Willis coming out of a small school, you know, three padded practices into his, his first training camp. Um, Pat O'Hara, the quarterback coach, had some interesting things to say about his development that I thought people would want to hear. So I brought in this audio clip. Yeah, you know, with young quarterbacks, it's really cool, though, with Malik is uh, he's able to retain information really well. And so his decision-making, which we monitor, has been very good for him. And things that he hasn't had to do before relative to working from the pocket, um, his feet need to catch up with his mind. And it's getting better. It takes time, you know. Um, Malik has a very strong arm and a really cool skill set. You can't always rely on that all the time. Uh, these windows are tight. The geography is different with the hash marks in the pro game, which is, makes a big difference, um, in my opinion. So the other thing too is, you know, when you're when you're playing quarterback, the NFL provides protection for quarterbacks much more so than outside of the pocket. When you're in the pocket, which is the tackle box, you're protected in the head head and neck area. You're protected from, from being hit low. You're also protected from being uh, body weight landing on top of you. The tackle has three ways of protection for a quarterback. Once you leave the tackle box, the only way, the only area you're protected is the head and neck area. So you, you, you need to operate outside the pocket, um, but you need to be able to operate from inside the pocket. Operating outside the pocket is not a problem for me. It, it sounds as if... So his feet need to catch up to his mind is an interesting thing for me. He had a terrible one-on-one -on -one red zone period today uh, where Tannehill was a Grand Canyon gap between the two of them. Then down at the other end in seven-on-seven, seven, I thought he made some quick decisions and found guys in a rhythm. And then again, he, he was bad. So it's up and down period to period. But again, I would say every time, this is what you'd expect from a guy like this at this stage. And making any broad pronouncements about him now is just foolhardy. Yeah, and, and uh, that's why I'm hesitant to, to bring the, the type of topic I want to bring because I want to see him in the preseason uh, before uh, we start asking questions about why they drafted him. But the, based on what I've seen, he's going to tuck and run a lot in the preseason game. Yes. A lot. Yeah, and read, and, read and run. I don't know how you win the number two job doing that. I, well, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you don't keep three quarterbacks now if he's going to be that developmental I don't know how you how you judge receivers now if you have him in the game That's because totally I'm, I'm anticipating a lot of tucking and running. That's totally fair. The way you win the number two job, which I don't think he will, is that the number two sucks. 
and can't do well, a lot either. Well, let's. But the number two, they've already expressed their love for yeah, because love of his study habits. And, I expect how, Logan Woodside how to the be game around. Plan he is, well, so. let, let's uh, let's bring it up because Paul just hit on it. If we're a week and a half in, and you say that you don't think he's winning the number two job, that is a massive issue. Well, uh, he's competing against saying. Logan Woodside. He's not competing against Trubisky or no. Pickett. I agree, and this is what I would say, and and where I am on it. If Logan Woodside's the number two and he comes in when Tannehill goes down in the game, what are they going to do? They're going to hand it off, throw short and safe, count on the defense. So if Malik Willis came in, that's the same thing you'd be asking. Willis plus Willis adds the ability to run. Right. So he actually sounds better. I don't think his short stuff is going to be significantly worse than Woodside. He gets one or two fewer reads out of it, probably. So I think you're screwed either way, but it's a little bit more dynamic. Fewer reads, but a little bit more dynamic. That's not a huge difference to me. But if you need four games, you're probably safer with, with Woodside. He's got he's to win the backup job. And I say that for this reason. This so is no knock on Logan kid. Woodside. He is who he is. There are 100 Logan Woodsides. There is absolutely no fear of Logan Woodside going to do anything if you cut him. I mean, give me a break. No. You could draft any Mac quarterback that's got great study habits and is a good locker room guy that can come in with a functional arm and play the role of Logan Woodside as a buddy for the backup quarterback to help prepare. And he's very good at that. I, I have no doubt. But if he's they not like going to be as confused much, as Willis is going to be. Right? But, I mean, Willis also may steal you a game because he's got a 50-yard run in there. That Logan Woodside's never going to do, even if he is tucking and running too quickly if he gets put in the game. I say that not to say, because you guys have been out there, I've, I have not. But even if he's struggling right now and he runs too much, he has got to develop at least the point where we're saying, this is why they drafted him. He's got to be the backup well, option ahead of Logan Woodside. That's not a giant leap. I want to say, say I, that's where he's got to get. I don't see him running a lot in practice. I see some on designs. Um, I see a pocket breakdown where he's hanging on to the football trying to read the field, Forcing knowing he's Forcing going to get crushed or he's going to tuck and run in a, in a live game action He did scenario. have an eight-play field goal drive the other day, Hutt, where he only threw one pass. They ran yeah, otherwise, and he yeah. had two runs was that were that probably, probably designed. Today, today though, he, sh he shows great signs of arm talent. He had a couple rockets across the middle that were beautiful. One touchdown pass in seven-on-seven -seven red zone, in a uh, uh, top-end red zone, high red zone. Um, but, you know, the two-minute drill at the, uh, to, to end practice was just a cluster. Yeah. And, and look, he's, he's fully capable, if what Pat O'Hara is saying, he's retaining information, of taking a big leap forward once he gets a grasp of this offense. Because Woodside definitely has the benefit of being here for that. Um, but, man, it's, it's got to start happening, and it's going to start happening in preseason in the joint practice. The one thing is I don't think he'll break easily mentally. Has a good head on his shoulder. All fair. We uh, discuss legal issues with Amy Dash next.